BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. I'm so excited to announce Dear Media's first ever daily show, Good Instincts. If you've ever found it challenging to eat thoughtfully while juggling a busy schedule, then this show is for you. Instead of aiming to simply eat healthier, we'll focus on tips and mindset shifts that streamline the process. Because balance is key, and the less complicated, the better. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. Available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And I'm very excited about today's podcast because this is going to be too curling, I think. And I'm, well, excited to have you, Annalie Howling, who is a performance coach, which I didn't know existed before. So I'm very excited to get into this with you. For over 20 years, for people like sportsmen, CEOs, leaders, ex-special forces, it includes everything from trauma to, anyway, fascinating. And we were just discussing what we should talk about. And of course, I went for the naughty stuff. So welcome, Annalie. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, so we were just talking about many things and there are so many things I could discuss with you, honestly, because the inner voice was the other one that I want, I really, really was into and what holds us back. But I do think sex and lack of intimacy in marriage is something that sort of, it does, it happens to everyone after a while, just from sheer laziness, really. And, you know, being complacent, I suppose. So knock yourself out. Let let me know I all these weird and wonderful things that you've been up to and that you can t- tell us about. Sure. Very happily. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I was having a conversation with a male friend of mine last week and he was saying, do you know, I really feel like I've lost my libido. I'm feeling really numb. What's wrong with me? And we were having the exact conversation that it's often harder in an existing relationship, even if you're very happy to kind of create that 
space and that erotic. Esther Perel talks about how in relationship and committed relationship, we want to be deeply connected, which means knowing everything about one another. But the erotic thrives on the unknown. So it's, you know, why in the early stages when we're, you know, you don't know all those things about you, like living together, it's extremely erotic as a time. But I think that as women and certainly in my own experience, I'm very, very happy to talk about there are a number of courses, movements, books, things where women are reclaiming their sexuality is the sort of names around a lot of these things, understanding a lot more about how our sexuality, our pleasure works, what's the difference between sex and sensuality and pleasure, and they are quite different things. And then also, I think the biggest thing that I learned from my own journey, and then also from working with people, and it's this inner voice again, is that, and I'm going to say women here, don't know how to ask for what they want. They feel so self-conscious. So let's just say, I think I'm allowed to go here, I think, but, you know, chaps going away at something and, and it's like, you're not rubbing a magic lamp here, dude. Like, can we, you know, I need this to be a bit lighter or softer or whatever it may be. But we, I think, aren't very used to asking for what we need and it creates this disconnect. Do you think, well, first of all, I mean, explain your backstory. You're, are you divorced? Or you, I am. You're yeah. divorced. Okay. So if you tell everyone your backstory, I think that's a generational thing that, that mm. they're not being able to, because I'm exact, I was exactly the same in my first marriage I've got to be honest so but go back and tell people how you've ended up here sure yeah absolutely so I mean I am divorced I'm 41 and a half I've got a young daughter I've got a very successful coaching practice myself my ex-husband and I have a good relationship nothing dreadful happened no no one gambled away the family silver or anything like that but the relationship reached its end and one of the things that ended was intimacy because you're deeply disconnected from each other at that stage And my daughter was quite young at the time. She was about three. And I don't think I had got anywhere near reclaiming what I would say is my sensuality. And I was a coach and that felt quite shameful as someone that's meant to know all about the human condition that my marriage was falling apart. I'm like a trained relationship systems coach and my own relationship was failing. So during the process of trying to fix my marriage, I went on every course you could imagine from, like I say, communication. And one of the things that came up, a very good friend of mine runs a course called The Power of Pleasure. And she's such a good friend. She sort of said, oh, you know, would you go on this? It's kind of testing it out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, fine. Don't really ask questions of a good friend of yours, recommend something. And I find myself at 10 o'clock in the morning, completely naked with another lady, completely naked, stone cold sober in a yoga studio in Covent Garden, being stroked by an ostrich feather by this, this other lovely lady and a variety of other things. I'm very happy to share that happened. But one of the things that I really learned Don't tell from us myself, everything, we want yeah. to know everything. I literally can't actually explain what I was watching last night, but a show about exactly this. She was on Goop and it was called the Om Therapy. Yeah. Oh, Simone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The homing. Yeah. Orgasmic oming. meditation. Oming. Yeah. So the, the course that I attended was actually designed by so my friend and another couple of ladies that had been sort of stalwarts and in the oming community. People that don't know, oming was a, is a is was a meditation practice, orgasmic meditation. And I believe the sort of foundational belief of that, which I can get on board with, is that as a woman, you're never more free 
than at the point of orgasm because you can't be thinking about what you need from the shops or do my, you know my legs look fat you have to let go to be able to truly experience orgasm so as i understand it that was the foundation for creating this sort of safe space about this process which orgasmic meditation was but this course that i attended when i was looking to find answers bring something back into my relationship just showed me it was like opening Pandora's box of absolute delights. And I could never go back after that. It was just something that lit up all of these centers in myself. And, and there was no putting me back in that box. Emily, you look so normal. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what I would do if I found myself naked in Covent Garden with another woman and an ostrich feather. Worse. There, was, there were many worse things. Well, I say worse. There was go one on. moment when... There was a moment, and I'm pretty open, yeah. as I say, doing coaching. I've done various things that have made me feel horribly uncomfortable, you know, in coaching when you're learning to be a coach. And yeah. you know, I'm very British and going to, I lived in America and had to do it there with the Californians and felt horribly uncomfortable a lot. So I'm quite good at going along with it. And there was one moment I remember that where there was, I think, about 15 or 16 of us, and we were doing naked yoga with yoni eggs which are these jade eggs placed inside your pussies and we were doing naked yoga in this yoga studio and I didn't know but apparently a guy came downstairs to try and come in like some maintenance man uh but yeah there was a moment in downward dog where where you're because I'm you know desperately trying not to drop this thing yeah. How good is my pelvic floor a bit competitive it's excellent by the way but yeah I was just like (laughs) there was a moment I thought what is this all about? Yeah, it was quite experiential. It's actually fascinating because it's very hard in a long-term marriage. And I was wondering, you know, whether you can get it back, right? Because, you know, as you said, with my marriage, nothing's, you know, terrible happened that I know of, or he knows of, or was the, the reason particularly behind it. And I've always said, I've always been quite open because if it was just about the sex, I think I would have, I could forgive that. I'd be like, okay, I'm, you know, if, good for the goose, good for the gander. Maybe I'd have a go. You have a go. I look at friends of mine who do have open relationships and maybe, and if you still have the foundation, maybe that could work. I'm very open-minded and I wish more people were. And I think if we were, then you could negotiate better terms for your marriage and make them work instead of living these lies that everybody like, you know, lives and pretends things aren't happening when we, and everybody really knows they are. And I think the one thing that my new relationship has done for me is, is we're so open. Like I, you know, I could do naked downward dog yoga with Sergio and not kill myself. I mean, I would laugh. I'd laugh a lot, but I would still do it. Whereas I think with my ex-husband, I'd rather died. I like, I'd be like, absolutely. Both of us would be like, absolutely not. And it's so funny how freeing that is. Yeah. I I think you're, it's absolutely right. And why was it easier for me to do that in a room of strangers, which it was, and we're all vulnerable and, you know, doing this thing that's frankly a bit odd, but, you know, as you say, and again, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. For me, my next serious long-term romantic relationship, I'm very aware from my job and my experience in going on these courses that life just ain't straight. So you need to be open to ensuring that things can stay good for you both, whatever that means. And I'm with you rather than living with any kind of lie. For me, that's just something that's untenable. I couldn't be in something that was inauthentic in any way. And that's not a a model of a relationship I would want my child to see or anything else. So that's my choice, obviously. But that course was just so, that was one of the the foundations 
was one of the, the beginning and there was some other extreme moments in there. But I really came away from there, I think as a woman, understanding that I was really able and empowered to ask for pleasure and not, you know, anyone can have sex. Like it's not that difficult and doesn't have to be that skillful. I'm sure we've all had a few experiences where it hasn't been that skillful, you know, but pleasure is very, very different. And I think from coming through that experience, that was something that I really learned about and what that does to your desire and feeling desired and how essential that is in relationship, that, that connection. I think you're right. I mean, I, you know, we had one of those sessions last night, got to be honest, but I have to say, you know, it's so different when you're sort of so connected and you're having, you can see different types of orgasms with, with people. So like, mm-hmm. I never even thought about that. Cause I was like, you know, always lights off thinking about, you know, as long as I had one, I didn't really care, but I've opened myself up to like, I know that there, I have like, I can have three to four different, maybe more different types. And mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. And, you know, it's so funny that I'm learning all this with, with Sergio, who is 20 years younger than me. But having said that, like he's learning with me too. It's not like I said to him, you know, uh, he's always like, oh, what was that? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, I don't know. I've never had this before. And it's so much fun. I don't know. It took me to 43, 44, and then 46 now to sort of find all this and to go, God, well, how did I live without, you know, I didn't even think about it because sex was just for me. It's not that I, I didn't love my husband. I did, but it was just, you know, it's one of the things that you added to your list to do. So it was like, okay, quick wham, bam in. It was great. You know, both of us knew what to do. And that was the same thing each time. And that was about it. But you know, with Sergio, it's like, and gymnastics, it's hilarious. And actually it's fun and funny. Whereas before, I think I'd always be like, you know, turn the lights off, kissing's gone and all that. And I think kissing's so important. Mm, That's actually one of the foundations that the research suggests that if you have, like for listeners that maybe feel they are in that place that you and I were both in where, you know, nothing's terribly wrong, but it's also not really right. You know, and hearing us speaking about deeply fulfilling, incredible sex lives feels like a, a foreign or a lost art, perhaps. There's research that suggests a six second kiss is what you need to bring back into your relationship because obviously it's very different to a pet but to actually intentionally kiss your partner for six seconds is going to start the nerves it's going to start the connection it's going to be something that you can start to reconnect to that erotic and that that sexual energy between you both so it's not saying that you're you know if you're very deeply disconnected and that can happen might not be overnight, but to start re re-entering into your relationship with a very intentional kissing to bring that back is a, a really good way of cultivating that again. So take me back to your ex-husband. Why do you think you couldn't have reinvented your wheel or did you ever try bringing somebody else into it or did you try anything or you just said, you know, you just knew it wasn't going to happen and just moved on? My my ex-husband's sort of more traditional. So, and there were other issues in the relationship. As I say, I mean, I think that for both of us, it was the right time for that relationship to end. And we've got a good relationship now. It's very determined and and hats off to him. So was he that had we have continued in the relationship, we would have disliked one another. And we're very, very good co-parents. So there were other reasons that the relationship sort of just stopped if you like judded to a halt but it and that's fine it's now transitioned into a good co-parenting relationship but certainly as a woman myself now and any other relationships that I 
may consider in the future or, you know, as a single woman, it, that is this sexual element for me is absolutely core. It really is. And I think having had my daughter and looking at what I'm, I might be looking at now, it's something that I know is an, a really fundamental part of who I am and what I deserve as well. I was thinking about this last night as well, watching that show. Isn't it funny? Because when you're in your 20s and we all get married, you think about money, background. You think about, you know, you want to be like your girlfriend down the road. You want to have your nice country pile and your this and your that. Literally at 43, I flung off my shoes and married a 24-year-old. And I don't care. Everyone's like, weren't you scared of like, you know, could he provide for you? Could he, would he, you know, would you live the same way? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I mean, obviously I did, it did cross my mind. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't my main concern because I know I'm a powerful person on my own that, you know, whatever happened, I mean, obviously he was 25. I wasn't expecting him to be rushing me private jet to the Maldives. So that was never an expectation uh, that I had, which is a great place to be. So everything that he did do for me was like, oh, okay, this isn't that bad. This is great. This is amazing. And, you know, I, I didn't put my expectations on someone else. I put all my expectations into me so that I could think, does he make me laugh? Yes, he does. All the bloody time, even when we argue. Do we have great sex? We have amazing sex, like another level of amazing sex. Do we like to do the same things? We're always together. I don't even get to go to the loo anymore by myself. So, you know, all of this. And then would you trade that for a million, you know, 10 million quid? No. There you go. Yeah, exactly. What's the price that you would pay to not be this unhappy? And I think that there are so many relationships. I do a lot of coaching in corporate as well. And, you know, sometimes I say to people I'm working with who earn millions and millions in, in the banks and financial institutions, but what would you pay not to feel like this? So then what's your hourly rate or your annual income? Because you you don't like where you are. Like, great, you're going to have the holiday home and this and that. And, you know, but you're Rent unhappy it. and you don't. Yeah, Rent exactly. It. So what would you pay not to have that? And I think that that's a, a non-negotiable for me. And I'm very happy and proud to talk about it. You know, I think it's important to how I'm going to communicate about these things with my daughter. I'm very on the shame thing about bodies and things like that. And there's just so much sort of, research work and a really beautiful movement around women right now just like I say this reclaiming of pleasure but just kind of standing in that and saying I'm not interested if it's if it's not doing that for me thank you I will provide for myself I want to talk to my you know I well at our age we both have homes and Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned as long as I have a home the rest is easy exactly And that's, and that's the end of it and so I think people if you take the scary out of anything you can have anything you want And that's what's so great. As long as there's a roof over your head, that's really all you need to worry about. The rest Mm -hmm. follows. Because if you're happy and you're having great sex and you're really happy at home, then you do well at work and you do well in your life and your kids are happy and then everything sort of flows. I mean, my daughter, I've absolutely taught her that, you know, she can come to me with anything. You know, she tells me everything. There's nothing that I can't speak to her about or that I would make her feel shame for because I feel like, well, back in the day, if you, you know, whatever age, if you had sex early, you were a whore. If you were kissing, you were this. So you were never going to get, if you didn't get married by 22, you were a spinster. You know, the, the rules were insane, insane. Mm-hmm. And I don't and want her to rush. Yeah, there's a lot of shame, I think, that does get carried in, into, even I'm sure with yourself talking to girlfriends and, and mine, you know, if they, I was talking to someone the other day and, and they said about this 
chat they were really interested in and talking about effectively hooking up and having a great fantastic weekend of some lovely sex together and then she said oh but he might think I'm whatever I don't remember the word she used like easy or whatever it might be and I said but darling like it's 2022 you you want to have sex with him that is okay you know this this sort of this narrative has to change like you're it's it's cooperative you're consenting you're both adults that's okay. You're having what you want as well as him. It, it was, what will he think of me? That was it. it what will he think all of the me? Time. It drives me nuts. Like single girls, you know, I always say that married women seem, or not married women, but divorced women seem to get remarried faster than single women because single women are caught up in these games. Like, you know, third date this, I never listened to that. I've always done what I wanted to do. And for whatever reason, if a guy likes you, he's there. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's not because you slept with him the first night, I can assure you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do feel that we should take this the, the scary out of having sex. You want to have sex? Have sex. Everyone else is. They're just lying about it. All the yeah. men are doing it. And the women are just, you know, catching up. And that's why I always used to say never, you know, when guys used to say, how, how many men have you slept with? I mean, like, what number is the right number? There's never going to be a right number, so don't answer it. You know, don't answer it. It's ridiculous. And we should be able to do exactly what the men do. I agree with you. And to your point, you're, you know, you're creating a life. You've got a roof. Also, everybody's first home was a woman. All men, everyone, all of us, everyone's first home was a woman. And so the more and more that we remember that and we start getting into this place of like worshipping and remembering that, it, you know, every female here is has this power, has this goddess-like power. And we get more into, I say, this phase of being worshipped for that, having pleasure, being honoured, better for everybody, because this, this is where all of humanity is coming from as well. I 100%. I do think things are changing. I see, you know, even in the short period of time that I've been together with Sergio, people's opinions of our relationship, not that it's anyone else's business, has changed a lot because I think they see now it's real rather than, you know, what what's what's he doing with her or what's he getting from her, which I just find so insulting that other, you know, women need to think like that. No, you know, it's not always about the outside and how you look and whether I'm a supermodel and I'm I uber rich. I'm actually great and I'm great fun. And um you know, I'm good to be around. So I like myself, I'd be happy on my own too. So I think, you know, it's learning to love yourself and giving other people boundaries that I think we've just have got lost. And, and, and exactly what you were telling me, if I was out with girlfriends now and tell them I've been to naked yoga classes and got tickled by another woman, I know that, you know, the laughing under their th- their hat breath and then walking off going, she's disgusting. Why? It's projection, I think. I was given some really good advice by a friend when I got divorced, which was you'll be surprised by the people that step away that you thought were always going to be there, but you'll also be surprised by people that you didn't think would be who will step in. And she was bang on and it was very good advice and she'd just been through a divorce herself. So anyone listening that is going through the same thing, I really thought I could bank on these people and they've vanished, but there will be people coming in to take that place and sort of hold out for it because it's it's really worth it. But you're a mirror. That was the other thing. You know, I've always gone along to dinner parties on my own happily. Like I don't mind one bit. I've been at I've been at events near where I live. And I remember having people saying to me, "But you're so lovely, or you're so attractive. You'll definitely meet someone." And I'm like, 
when was the last time you got to be in your house on your own? I'm really very happy. Like, don't worry about me. I'm doing all right. But it's projection. So I think often people that are in the most pain, you know, they would hear that and they would balk, as you say, and have a very extreme reaction. Or you saying you're having four different types of orgasm and they're not listening or me or being judged. Probably the ones not having it at all. Probably the ones that maybe, you know, are so far removed from even being able to think about that conversation or have that thought themselves is so deeply painful. You're going to get the judgment first. And it's the inner critic. It's defensiveness. It's deeply unskillful, in my opinion. It's not okay. But the people that I have the, say, strongest reaction from, it's highly unlikely they're the ones swinging off the chandeliers because they'll be the ones high-fiving you. Go on, going on, babe. Happy for that. Yeah, it's funny. I have to say that I don't have these conversations with my girlfriends just because, you know, you kind of feel like you rub, you don't want to rub it in. Um, yeah. And I'm not trying to rub it in. I'm just going, wow, I didn't even know my body was capable right. of these things. And that's not to say I thought I had a bad sex life. I did not. In my mind, I had a good sex life. It's just that I hadn't like, you know, studied it like this, I guess. I mean, it's just so fun. It's so much fun to do. And I guess when you get older, your inhibitions go. And and actually, as I was saying, you know, the people that judge me, I mean, I, lo- I lost some friends in my divorce, but, you know, also because I think my I was with a 24-year-old. I mean, people thought I'd lost my mind. So, you know, and I, and I, I get that because I would have said the same to any other girlfriend that was going through it. So I, I totally understand. I don't blame people at all. And, and otherwise, it's the mirror image. If it could happen to them, it could happen to me. And I don't want to, I don't want to face it. I don't want to go out for dinner with you and your 24-year-old husband. And I understand that too. A lot of men felt like that. A lot of my old friends felt like that. And I get it. You know, it was just very uncomfortable for them. They were like, they have sons that age. So, you know, being judged is, you know, part and part of the parcel. But again, it's not worth staying where you are because you're afraid of being judged. Because at the end of the day, as you said, some fall by the wayside, but the right ones come in. And I also believe that, you know, friendships, and I've said this a lot, friendships are ever evolving too. You know, it's like you said, you know, there was nothing wrong in your marriage. There was nothing wrong in my marriage, except I grew up and I changed and I'm not the woman he married and you're probably not either. And I don't want the same things and I want a different type of life. And, you know, I'm not traditional. He was traditional. I know that. I don't want to do all these, you know, like ritual dinners, you know, with my kids every, every Friday night, because, you know, we do this and then we go to church or or go to Shabbat or whatever it is. I don't want to do that. I want, I want a free life that, you know, maybe we go to the cinema and we pop out for a, go to the beach one day. I just, I want to be a different type of woman. And I think that that is just, that's what was really worth changing your life for. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know if we've got time, but there's this amazing story that I was told about a couple of minutes long called The Boiling Frog. And it's an experiment that happened in the 1800s. But I spoke about it last night in a masterclass and it really resonated with a lot of people. So I'd love to share it with your audience. And basically, Louis Pasteur, who worked in Paris in the 1800s, had this huge pot of boiling water on the stove and got this frog and popped the frog in the water. And what do you think happened? The frog went, oh, it's boiling, like jumped out. This is horrible. This is horrendous. And off it went around the lap. Anyway, they then took the boiling water off the heat and they let it cool right, right, right down to just below room temperature, lovely and cool. And they get the frog back and they pop him in the water. And this time he swims because he's an amphibious creature and he likes the water and he's having a nice swim. Anyway, they're not done. So they then turn this pot of water up really slowly one degree at a time. 
until eventually, finally, it reaches boiling point again. And what do you think happened to the frog this time? He stayed in. Yeah, it kept swimming. So fundamentally, it kept swimming. The water hit boiling point and it boiled and it died. And a question that I asked last night, and I think this is really endemic in a lot of relationships and marriages is, in what way are you being the boiling frog? Where in your life have you adapted so much despite it being painful, deeply painful and harmful to you just to keep going? And as humans, we're so adaptable and we can tolerate a lot of pain, which in some ways is really helpful in some scenarios, but really often in others. And for me, it got to a point where I couldn't. And what you're saying resonated with me so much. I couldn't be in something that was felt that way. And I didn't want that for my ex either or my daughter to see that. But I see it a lot. And I'm sure you do. And there are just so many people living this boiling frog lifestyle and in pain. And, you know, the other side for me and hearing from you as well is worth any fears you may have to have this life of freedom. I think any fears. And I think, you know, people want to know they're going to be okay. And I think, you know, I don't, I can't, you know, obviously give you all a guarantee, but what I can give you is I feel the ones that aren't were never happy in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if you're a bubbly go-getter and you've got a good outlook in life, you will be fine. The one, the girlfriends I know that have called, you know, that have these terrible divorces and these terrible years of living in their apartments and they can't get out and they can't breathe again. And everything's just the end of the world. They were like that in their marriage. They were like that before they got married. Nothing will ever be good enough. It's a mindset. Everything Mm -hmm. was miserable. So I don't believe it's because, you know, you met the wrong guy and it went tits up and it's a shit choice you made. It's not. There is no bad choice. The only bad choice is staying where you're uncomfortable. Yeah, I completely agree. I was given a lot of well-meaning advice when I first started going through the separation. And obviously people start to find out, kept things very private. But And it was interesting, exactly to your point, the different responses, which tells you everything about someone else. So again, people listening, because you're vulnerable and you're probably feeling a bit low and you might be getting these things said to you. So I want to offer it from myself. I had more than one person and people I was quite surprised about say to me, don't you think you should wait and meet someone else first? I was like, what? And they said, do you, no, no, no. Do you not think you should, you should wait, wait and meet someone else first? Like, right. So, so you're telling me the best thing for my daughter and my ex to do is to meet some other guy, what, shack up with him, move, you know, there was no one on the scene, right? So like, okay, that's great. But this is, this is telling you nothing about me. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with them. That was just what they would have done in that situation. And to your point, always got the grass isn't greener. Caroline, yeah. grass yes. is greener. Same shit, different man. Yeah. That was the, and actually that was to be brutally honest. I think that was advice I always gave same shit, different man. Really? I was that person as well. And when I was younger, so I was like, in my, you know, there's no, there wasn't divorce in my family either. So it was like, you know, you stick it out. But then I realized, no, it's not same shit, different man. And by the way, if it's same shit, different man, then you leave again. Mm, absolutely. And it would be, then you need to have a bit of a look at yourself as to what the patterns are or why you're allowing this yeah. to happen. And let's put some, as you say, good boundaries in place. Let's look at doing the self-worth and let's not settle. But 
your relationship now and everything that you're doing, like there's no settling there. That's just pure joy. You can hear it and see it. And who wouldn't want a relationship that brings them that level of joy and pleasure and fulfillment? But there are, you've got to make the choice first. You've got to stop being a boiling frog first. You've got to put yourself out there. So basically, I think what we're saying is, you know, unless you take a leap, I mean, like you did and doing all those, you know, you don't have to do, go and do these mad courses, but if you do want to find yourself, you know, what other ones would you suggest that you've done that you love? So, I mean, as a coach myself, I mean, I went through Esther Perel's back catalog. That was extremely helpful. Yeah. Listening on audio, but because to be honest, because it wasn't any one thing, you know, my ex wasn't an alcoholic and he wasn't a wife beater in many ways. It would have been easier because there would have been a, a very clear cut reason to go. And, and that was it immediately, but I was unhappy and it was more death by a thousand cuts. So Esther Perel's work really helped me to understand myself and as I say I was seeking information to to try and help the relationship but in doing so what I did and I'd recommend it to anyone was I really understood myself and that as you mentioned I couldn't fit in that relationship any longer it didn't work and fundamentally that's wrong for him and wrong for my daughter so that's where I got to with it so I'd highly recommend that anyone reads or listens to Esther Perel work Gabon Marte is also fantastic about understanding things perhaps that you're taking into relationship and then yeah these these courses have been fantastic there's a brilliant book called Pussy which a reclamation by Regina Thomas Hauser which is extraordinary. And there's a brilliant, brilliant book by Emily Nagowski called Come As You Are, which is about understanding, again, especially if anybody has had an experience of sexual assault. I just want to say that as well. It's very easy for me to talk about these things almost sounding flippant, but a lot of the ladies on these courses themselves were struggling to be with their own bodies because they'd been through sexual assault. And so this was a way of them being able to connect with their own pleasure as a start point before obviously being able to reconnect with a potential partner and Emily Nagowski's work is really important there. I mean, I think the main thing about this or what I'm gauging from it all is amazing sex and the key to second marriages and everything else is just understanding yourself, which I fundamentally don't think we do in our twenties. You know, how can you, you've just come out of school. So, you know, I think that and reconditioning yourself to say, okay, there's just no right or wrong today. It, this mm. is my way and my way is the right way. We're each individual. So our paths should be different. My path shouldn't mm. be the same as yours. And that's okay. And so you can't judge me for my, for my path. And it's funny, all the people that judge me now before now absolutely love my husband. They like him more than they like me, which is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just also to remember, I think that if, if it's hurting you, basically, that this is projection, it's nothing to do with you. This is a projection of somebody else's fears about the fact that, well, they're in a really rocky marriage. You know, quite often I may have been talking to friends who were in a similar position, but I made the leap and they didn't. Now that's really hard for them. There's, I'm sure this happened to you. So they yeah. stayed in these situations that, you know, we were obviously sharing and kind of supporting one another or whatever before I made the leap. Now to be around me, that's really triggering. So that's a projection again. So it's not personal, but that's really, really difficult for somebody else. And I, I, I would be triggering to them in that situation. Same happened to me. And I, I found it really hard to begin with because I didn't understand mm-hmm. it at all. And I found it, I, I felt like they were letting me down at the time I needed yeah. them most. 
and you know and it, you sort of get this ball in your tummy of like well every, you know what am I really like you're being shunned by everyone and actually you're right when you look back I've looked back now I understand it's because I've I've done what they wanted to do and I, they didn't have the balls and so I just remind them of what what they've missed out on in a way and I think that's quite a, an important one because we do take things so on board and other people do have such an effect on us for whatever reason. And when you're understanding, you know, Sergio, the one thing he has done, it's not to say we, I have a core group of friends. I absolutely love like my family, don't get me wrong. But he always reminds me that, you know, he's my family, that's my bubble and everyone else should be out of there and that they shouldn't be able to touch us. There's a really beautiful book. Again, another great recommendation is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Yes. It's just, she's just wonderful. And in the book Untamed, she talks about her and her wife, Abby, and she'd been in a heterosexual relationship before and then was, uh, I think, starting a relationship with Abby. And she talks about how even her own mother was finding it difficult to begin with, that she was now with a very deeply in love with a woman. And so what she described their relationship as was she said it was like a drawbridge and being in a castle. And unless somebody was completely able to be fully on board and fully open and fully loving, they would pull up the drawbridge and it would just be them. So it's like a way of kind of having boundaries. As Sergio says to you, you guys are on the island and there's a drawbridge. If somebody's all in and they're there to support you and be the biggest cheerleaders and you want to invite them in, great. If they're not, off you go. We're going to pull our drawbridge up because absolutely the health of your relationship is paramount to the energy that you can give to other people, your children, everyone around you. And that's absolutely what we do now. We love our drawbridge and it's ever, ever changing and that's okay too. And I quite like, you know, we're building our home, we're getting to our, you know, our little nest together and we've got a really good group of people we like. So we we're, we're not that, you know, especially with doing a TV show now and everything else. Annalie, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I, sh- I actually really do want to do the um, inner voice one with you as well. So let's do oh, that. Absolutely. Let's get that another another time because I think that's something that really does affect us all and holds us all back. But tonight has been amazing and fascinating. And um, I love your story because it reminds me of me. And uh, Go, what do you say? I believe at our age, we're getting another, another go at life. And I feel like I, as I've always said, that I'm just getting started. It's so exciting. I completely agree. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Brilliant. Thank you all for listening to Divorce Not Dead. And um, if you want to find Annalie, how do they find you? Uh, Instagram is probably the best channel. So it's Annalie Howling is the handle, like you're howling at the moon. There you go. And uh, it's on TikTok as well, the same at Annalie Howling. Brilliant. Thank you, Annie. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action. 